You are listening to the YLM Sermon of the Week podcast with Pastor Steve Tolbert. Be blessed and refreshed by this relevant word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Vondell Scott. We honor our Apostle Willie Talbert and Apostle Mamie Talbert. And to all of you, the good people of God, I say good evening. So excited about the word that God has uh, for you on tonight. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about uh, legacy. We're going to talk about a legacy of faith. We're, we're going to talk about a legacy of faith uh, coming from 2 Timothy. The first chapter, verses five to seven. And I was inspired to uh, with this message uh, from here an Apostle Willie Talbert minister today uh, when uh, at Christ Temple Church Ministries. Uh, and he began to share different stories and memories that he's seen over the history of the church. Uh, because he was there at the beginning of the church's uh, establishment by my grandfather. And it's just hearing those stories, you start to think about the legacy. You start to think about that concept of legacy. So let's look at our scripture coming from 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verses 5 to 7, says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so Again, we're talking about a legacy of faith, a legacy of faith. And so you, you think about that word legacy. Uh, and so that a legacy is, uh, it's defined as something that's handed down from generation to generation. That's what a legacy is. Legacy is something that's handed down from generation to generation. Uh, and so you could determine to hand down various things. Uh, it could be something material such as money, or it could even be uh, just reputation. It could be influence. Um, and so uh, it's something that the concept of legacy is now becoming even more popular um, or more widely uh, talked about uh, than it has been in the past, uh, because especially with the uh, pandemic that we just came out of, uh, you know, there was so much loss where there were people that passed away without wills, um, things weren't in place. Um, and so you just think about that and think about the legacy. And so with legacy, here's the thing to keep in mind is that a le legacy focuses on what will endure. It focuses on what will endure. All right. And so even recently, uh, you know, with the Queen of England, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, uh, passing away, uh, there has been a lot of talk of legacy because now they have a new king. Um, and so everybody's wondering, okay, is he going to enhance the legacy of his mother or is he going to bring their, their royal house into, into shame? Uh, 
And so a lot of that has to do with uh, a knowledge of his personal history uh, from the news, from the media, uh, and the things that we've seen. Um, but they, they're putting that against, they're putting his past against his mother's past. And, and you talk about legacy. And so in Second uh, Timothy, Paul here is talking about faith. He's talking about, he's talking about a spiritual legacy because he says that your grandmother Eunice was the first one to believe. Then she passed that faith, that her belief in God, that, that, that fire, that passion for God, she passed it and, and, and discipled your mother because that's what in, in our context, legacy has to do with discipling, discipling generations, discipling nations. It, it's, it's us not, us not limiting God's move, God's power, God's influence upon only our generation, but seeking to have that influence, to have God, that, 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 that move of God spread to the next generation and just continue and, can, and just pick up in an ever increasing momentum. And so he says that, he says that that same faith he says, continue strong in you. So I'm seeing, Paul is seeing, he's seeing indications that Timothy is inclined to believe God with the same level of fervor that his mother and his grandmother believed God. And I think about even in my own life, you know, uh, and as I stated earlier on, uh, I stated that my father, uh, he, he ministered today at the church that my grandfather founded, even though, you know, uh, there's a new pastor uh, over the church. And so uh, my father uh, ministered there for their 55th uh, church anniversary. And he began to talk about the legacy of that church. He began to talk about what my grandfather stood for and how my grandfather uh, taught and, and discipled and, and how he held people accountable. And then he also began to talk about how my grandmother, how she also discipled, because the Bible does, it doesn't just leave discipleship to a man only thing, but it's, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. But then when it comes to women, I love this. The fact that it, it gives, it says to teach them, teach the younger women in all purity and sincerity, teach them, teach them the modesty, teach them holiness teach them, teach them. And so he says, now he says to Timothy, fan into flames, fan into flames, the spiritual gift, because you're gifted, you know, and, and we, we've heard uh, so often times, Howard said so often, so often times that God has no grandchildren. No, God doesn't have any grandchildren, but we do, and we can. Okay. And so because we can have children and grandchildren, all right, we are tasked with the responsibility to disciple generations in the faith, to disciple them to believe God. And so there's some scriptures I want to look at. But before we get into that, uh, I want to share a quote by Billy Graham. Billy Graham said that the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, 
but rather a legacy of character and faith. A legacy of character and faith. I remember uh, my father uh, was taking me to the airport a few years and years ago when I was moving to Texas. Uh, my father was taking me to the airport and as he helped me get my bags out of the car, he says to me, he says, remember, your gift can make room for you, but can your character keep you there? Your gift can make room for you, but can your character keep you there? And that's a saying that he actually got from, from my grandfather. And, and you think about the fact that uh, there's a lot of gifted people. <laughs> there, there are a lot of gifted people. But there are not a lot of people that have character. You look at you look at in media, you look at in the arts, there's a lot of people that have, they have, they're gifted. They're gifted. It's undeniable. They're gifted. But they don't have the character to sustain the influence that that gift carries. And so we we think about this and we think about we think about the legacy that we want to carry and i think about even in in our in our area right so in our area uh there you know i, I talked with a friend and he grew up in in newark as well as i did uh and so we talk about you know the old preachers of the past sometimes you know and we talk about how sometimes uh you know you can tell things have changed it's not the same you know and Granted, they weren't perfect, but there was there was a level of integrity that was that was upheld. There was a level of integrity that was that you saw demonstrated on a consistent basis. And yeah, when they messed up, yeah, you knew it. You knew it. They weren't looked at the same. But when they did things right. And my grandma, my grandma Talbert always told me, said, sometimes you got to learn how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know, and so we, we think about that and we think about the quote from Billy Graham and we think about even, you know, our relationships with our own parents. And it, granted, you may not have had an excellent relationship with your parents and prayerfully you're building on that and God has really shed his love in your heart to where you can forgive and you can help build bridges to that next generation or the past generation and, and, and perpetuate love and, and forgiveness and just have a strong family culture. Uh, but you think about that and you think about the fact that even in, in the examples, you know, the examples, because Paul is not saying look to them as the only source. But he's saying, no, look to them as an example on how they pointed everybody to God. Their lives, their life. Because remember on Wednesday in our Faith Over Fear lesson, in Wednesday, we talked about can your faith speak for you after you're gone? Because in Hebrews 11, it talks about how Abel's faith spoke for him even though he was dead and buried. And so... Can your faith speak for you? And apparently, Eunice and Lois's faith could speak for them. And we I don't know whether they were, because it doesn't go into detail where they were at that time. But we, but their faith evidently spoke 
it spoke for them. And so Paul is saying, that's a good example to follow. That's a good example to follow. And so let's look at some Barna stats because it's important that we understand why we need to share our faith with the next generation and disciple them. So practicing Christians is on a decline. All right. We see it all around us. I'm not going to put on rose colored glasses and say nothing's going wrong. No, there's a decline and it's obvious. All hope is not lost, but there is a decline. And so here's what Barna says. Barna says that that share has consistently, so to share practicing Christians has consistently declined over the last 19 years. Now, and this was 2020 article, now just one in four Americans, 25% is a practicing Christian. In essence, the, that share of practicing Christians has nearly dropped in half. It's dropped in half since 2000. And so that is why we need to disciple the next generation. That is why we need to disciple the next generation. And, and, and I understand, I totally understand the, 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 the next generation is looking at examples of hypocrisy and, and that's turning them off. But there's those that are still living that standard. Again, eat the meat, spit out the bones. You don't have to take that person's whole life. But the part that, this, that points you to God, the aspect of their life that points you to God, receive it. Receive that part. You don't have to receive the bad part. And then you may say, but I don't have anybody in my family that's a believer. Well, God rewrote your family tree. And he grafted you onto his. All right? And so prayerfully, as a believer, and I don't know where you are at this stage in your faith, but prayerfully as a believer, you've found someone who's a mature believer that can disciple you. No man is an island unto himself. And so you need to pray to, if you. it hasn't been obvious who that person is, pray, ask God, God, please place someone in my life, a mature believer who loves you, who wholeheartedly walks after you, place them into my life to disciple me to plant seeds into me, to impart into me. Because we all need someone to impart, to, to impart into us. I remember when I was younger and my father, uh, one particular service, one particular Sunday night service, my father was led of the Lord to lay hands and, and anoint everybody uh, and to just impart. And me, you know, I'm like, but you're my dad. I don't, you know, what are you doing? I, I don't want to go up there. So I didn't go up there. So then he says, why didn't you come up? And I'm like, well, I mean, you're my dad. Like, yeah. And what had happened was I had looked at him with familiarity. And what do they say about familiarity? 
familiarity breeds contempt. You begin to take at, you begin to take for granted the fact that you are connected to someone through blood and you don't honor. And my father today talked about honor. You don't honor the gift or the anointing that is upon that person. You see them as a person. You don't see them as God's vessel, as, as someone who God has placed in your life because I could have been born into any family on earth, but I was born into mine. And I was born into my family for a reason. And so he explains to me, he says, you understand that even though I'm your father, you still want to, you still want to be able to receive from me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I'm young, you know, we don't, I know your teenager thinks they know everything, but I got news for you. They don't. And teenagers, if you're watching this, you don't know everything. All right. So honor your parents. And so I, so like, as I think about this, this whole concept of legacy, and I think about, you know, the stories that I've heard over the years, you know, I think about, I think about hearing the stories of, of God's provision. My grandmother telling me about years ago when, you know, she, they, her and my grandfather, they were a young family with eight children. I think at that time they may have had, they may have had six children, but oh, total, they had eight children. I guess back in that day, they didn't watch TV, inside joke. But anyway, they had children and they didn't have enough. And so what they would do, because my grandfather, God had saved him and my grandmother. And as believers, as new believers, they believed God. They, they trusted God. They, they began to search the word of God for that example, because at the time they didn't have anybody in their lives, but then God connected them to a church that they would be discipled in until he would find his own church and establish his own church rather. And so I, th I listened to that story, how it was one day she said, and they were hungry and it was supposed to be time for dinner. But my grandfather says, let's pray. So they pray. And then after they finish praying, all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and there's groceries and inside the bag of groceries, there's some money. That's like, and that's, and my grandmother told me this story because she's imparting legacy through storytelling, through testimonies. And that's, that's a vital thing. I treasure that. And I even think about my father telling me about how when he was younger and he would just believe my father from the stories I hear from him and from everybody else, my father was always different. Okay. And so I, I heard my dad tell me, he says, um, when he was young, I think he was about nine years old or something and God led him to fast. 
and he fasted alone. And I remember hearing that story when I was little. And, and when I developed or when I actually accepted Christ into my life, because just because my grandparents and my parents, you know, were in church and were in positions and all that doesn't mean that I came out saved with a halo over my head. No, I had to come to a point where I accepted Jesus Christ. All right. And so once I accepted Christ and I began to follow the Lord and again, search scriptures and study scriptures, God led me on a fast. And I remember telling my parents, you know, the Lord let me on a fast. And you know how you, when you're young and tenderhearted, you know, you come with tears in your eyes. I went into their room with tears in my eyes like, oh, the Lord called me to preach. And I believe I'm supposed to go on a 40-day fast. And a 40-day fast. And I think at the time I may have been about 12 or 13. And I remember that. And so, you know, my grandfather at the time was, our pastor. And so they said, well, tell your granddad, you know? And so I told my granddad, my granddad said, okay, pray about it. You know? And he said, I'll be praying for you. And so I go on a fast and I'm thinking my parents are going to go on a fast with me as an encouragement. And my, that's when my dad tells me the story and says, no, my parents let me go by myself too. And, and so I go on this fast and I'm just believing God that he's going to just show me and reveal to me what my call is because he's called me. So I'm, I'm just like, okay, God, show me what my call is. I'm pressing in. I'm seeking you. And again, that was an example that I got from my parents. And so it's very important for us to pass down these stories, these testimonies to the next generation so that they have an example so that it can actually create within them an expectation, an expectation for God's faithfulness. And, and so let's look at Psalm 78, Psalm 78, and we're going to look at verses four to eight, Psalm 78 verses four to eight, but we're going to, Look at verse four to five, and then we're going to go to uh, verses six to eight. So verse four to five says this, says, we will not hide them from their children. This is talking about the testimonies of the Lord's doings in their lives. All right. We will not hide them from the Lord's doing from the Lord, from their children. Uh, but tell, but tell to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. All right. Then in uh, verses six and seven says that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And then verse eight, and that they should not be like their fathers, 
a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And so again, it's important to tell that next generation, share, spread. As a matter of fact, you may not realize this, but in African culture, all right, history was most oftentimes passed down through what they call oral tradition or by word of mouth, through storytelling. And it just passed from, so I would tell like this generation, my grandfather would tell his son and, and my father would tell me and I would then tell my daughter and so on and so forth and so on. And it just passed down from generation to generation. That's how early history was actually was actually preserved. It was through oral tradition, by telling stories. All right, and so it's important that we share the testimonies of what God has done, and then it's also important to to lead to not try to give us the highlights only without any of the the downs. All right, tell the whole story. If you didn't believe, then say, at first I didn't believe, but then I believe. Like, be honest. That's why, like, like a lot of times when we tell stories, we have the, the habit of filtering out only the good parts. Let me tell you the good parts. I don't want to tell you where I, I was wavering. But you tell you tell the whole story. They need to know, okay, if it was hard, it was hard. Because that's going to be important to know in fighting the good fight of faith. Because when a tough moment does come in their lives, in our lives, then we don't give up because if he did it before, if he came through, then he's going to come through again. I just have to hold on and believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. And so it's very important that we begin to disciple and that we begin to share the testimonies of the Lord. A, a few weeks ago, we, I had, we had some of the young adults from our church here at our house just to fellowship. And so as we're fellowshipping with them, I just felt like I need to share some of what God has done and what I've experienced because I want them to know and to, I want them to begin to have a supernatural level of expectation. I don't want them to think that God is dead. God is not dead. God is alive. But if nobody in our present time, because it's good to have the stories from back in granddad's day and, and, and back in dad's day, but what about my day? What about my day? And so I need to share what God is doing in my day. So that the generation to come, that is my contemporary generation, will understand that God is yet working miracles. God is yet blessing those that trust him. 
it is worth it to be faithful to God just as he is faithful to us. Case in point. So on this past Friday, we, we had our church meeting and the Lord moved powerfully in our church meeting to the point to where apostle was motivated by the Lord. Okay, this is the time to sow a seed. So my wife and I sowed our seed. And within 24 hours, we received an unexpected check in the mail. But I learned the benefit of sowing and reaping from my parents. And my dad learned the benefit of sowing and reaping from his parents. And so I'm teaching my daughter early how to sow and reap. I'm teaching my daughter early that if somebody is not feeling well, you lay hands on them and pray and believe that God will make them better. If me or my wife are not feeling, I say, Ellie, come over here. Pray for me. Daddy got a boo-boo or daddy not feeling well. Pray for me. Or if my wife says she's not feeling well, Ellie, let's pray for mommy. To the point to where her teacher, her teacher was, we were having a parent-teacher conference. And so her teacher says, I want you to, she was a believer. Her teacher's a believer. And so she says, I want you to know that Elizabeth is on fire for God. Said somebody hurt themselves and Elizabeth wanted to pray for them. That is what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about putting a fire, setting a fire, sparking a flame in the lives of that next generation. That's why he said, fan into flame. So you already got the spark. So now let's fan into flame. How do I fan into flame? I got to start doing the stuff. I heard it. Now I'm going to try it out. I believe, I, I believe that God is a healer. So when some, when I come around somebody that's not feeling well, I'm going to pray for them and believe that they will be healed in the name of Jesus. Because I know that God is alive. My dad used to do it with me. I remember one day I came home from school. My dad wasn't feeling well. And he says, Steve, he says, come pray for me. And I prayed for him. It is something, it's something when you understand that legacy of faith and you understand how powerful it is. And I believe that the, the stats that we shared earlier, I believe that there is a reason for that decline. And the decline is the fact that the generation before them did not consistently tell them about how God is good. The faithfulness of God. The benefits of trusting in God. How God can help you through those tough moments. They didn't share enough. And so the generation after them started to think, well, that's that was Sunday school stuff. That stuff is all fairy tales and all this stuff and, and this and that. And they start to reason God out of their minds. 
but we cannot let that happen. We have to, that the whole end times arrival that everybody is prophesying about and believing God for will, will happen when we partner up with the generations. We partner up with the generations because it's one thing for one generation to experience the move of God, but then when that generation links up with the generation after them and they begin to partner up for revival, oh my gosh. I mean, you, you think about the nations historically that have experienced revivals and you think about the state of those nations today because it was not, it was not passed down. It was not passed down. We didn't talk about God enough to that generation. We didn't teach them enough. And so now they're talking about a post-Christian country. Not on my watch. And so we have to pass down our character and our faith. And so I pray that you are blessed by this message. And so if you want to be grafted in to God's family tree and you want to begin to understand what it is to have a vibrant legacy of faith that motivates you and inspires you, inspires you to trust God to be obedient to God and to share God with those that do not believe, then I would like to pray with you so that you can accept Christ into your life. Because again, I grew up in a pastor's family. I grew up in church, but I did not grow up saved. I was not born saved. I had to accept Christ one day. I had to make that decision myself. My parents couldn't make it for me. As much as my mother would, in the middle of the night, come in the room, anoint me and my brother with oil and praying for us. As much as I would hear my father in the prayer room below my room, praying and tarrying and interceding and, and just warring, I had to accept Christ for myself. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. God, I thank you for sending Jesus Christ into the earth to die for me, to take the punishment for me, and to get up out of the grave for me. Your resurrection power is available to me now. God, I thank you for resurrecting the purpose, plan, and destiny that you had intended for me to fulfill while I'm here on earth. Thank you, Jesus, for making me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I thank you that I'm a part of your family. I am your child and you are my father.
Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you pray that prayer, then I want to give you an opportunity to connect with us and so that we can give you some next steps. You can connect with us on any of the platforms that you see on a screen, and someone from our office will reach out to you uh, just to share next steps and materials. Uh, and also, I'm so excited that we will be in person next Sunday. We will be in person next Sunday. And so I, along with Apostle Willie Talbert and Apostle Mamie Talbert, we want to meet you. We want to meet all of our supporters that have been supporting us throughout these last three years. You know, we want to meet you in person at our church anniversary. Uh, and so uh, you saw the, uh, the announcement. Uh, you'll also see the flyer that'll be on our social media channels with the address so that you can actually make plans to attend. Uh, if you are in the New York, New Jersey area, uh, definitely want to see your face, want to meet you for the very first time, uh, because this has been an amazing opportunity. And we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop doing virtual ministry. But now we're just adding another dimension, and we're going to be hybrid. And so I look forward to meeting you. And I, I say, God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. And have a great night. And it's back in the hands of Pastor Vondell Scott. Partner with YLM financially using the following methods. The YLM mobile app. Text gift to 1-844-948-3895. Cash app dollar sign Yes Lord M. On Givelify search for Yes Lord Ministries in Kimmelworth, New Jersey. Our website. Visit www.ylmconnect.org and click donate. Mail checks and money orders to Yes Lord Ministries, Post Office Box 425 Union, New Jersey 07083. Download the YLM mobile app and stay connected with our ministry 24-7. On behalf of our lead pastor Steve Tolbert, our senior leaders Apostle Willie Tolbert and Apostle Mamie S. Tolbert and the Yes Lord Ministries church family, thank you for joining us and welcome home.